yeah, you can give it a shot. So we are. We weren't able to uh, record last Sunday um, just because we wanted to make sure all of this stuff worked well, the transmitter worked well. So we are going to attempt to record this service, and it'll be on our um, our website after the service is over. And so we, we should be able to pull that off. And we're, we've since we've done Facebook Live and whenever we get a chance, we, we're going to attempt to start doing some video as well. But we learned last week that the uh, the iPad can't take the heat, so so it doesn't work to do any kind of recording or anything outdoors. So we're still figuring some things out and just hoping to. I know many of you liked the Facebook Live opportunity that we had, and it created more opportunity for other people to see our service. And we are definitely keeping that in mind and going to find a way to return to that as soon as we can. And so speaking of return, um, we um, this is the third message on what I'm calling the comeback series, as we are attempting and taking the process of coming back to church. Um, we're doing a series called the comeback series. We talked a couple weeks ago about the one out of the 10 lepers who returned to give God glory for his healing. And last week we talked about the greatest comeback of all times, which was Jesus. Now I'm going to be all over scripture this morning. Um, but I think a really good place for you to go would probably be uh, John 21, verses 15 through 19. John 21, verses 15 through 19. That will serve as a pretty good base text for you this morning as we continue our series on the comeback. So I want to give you, I'm going to give you some really tough things that happen in somebody's life. And this is somebody that all I'm going to, I would just, I would bet a hundred dollars and I, I have a hundred dollars. I don't have much more, but I got a hundred that all of you know this person. Okay. And we're going to see if you can figure out who this is. This person was born into modest poverty. I mean, this is a man who had a rough life. This man lost a mother as a young boy. This man had multiple failed partnerships in business that left him paying off excessive debt. This man wanted to go to law school, but his early efforts, he had this dream to be a lawyer, but his early efforts failed. This man was wanted to be a politician, but he actually lost more elections than he won. And this man, at a key moment in his life, the love of his life, his fiance, passed away before they could marry. And after this experience, along with many other life experiences that I just listed, some believe that he may have suffered a nervous breakdown. Anybody here know who I might be talking about? Ooh, you're in the right category. Woodrow Wilson, in the right category. An even more renowned president than Woodrow Wilson. Abraham Lincoln, that is correct. This was Abra this were some of the challenging things that Abraham Lincoln went through. In a, a life experience like that, he could say something like this on his second inaugural address. With malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right. Let us strive on to finish the work we are in. I'm going to give you one more quote. This came towards, uh, as, as the Civil War was coming to an end, this was kind of a, a reflection on the Civil War. 
Abraham said, I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that all of about me seemed insufficient for that day. So I wonder as I share all those things that that Lincoln went through, (laughs) that's going to happen again. As I share all those things that Lincoln went through, I wonder how much of a surprise that is to, to some of you. You know, because many of us, you know, maybe it's a surprise that we didn't know all those things, that Lincoln could have gone through them, but some of you, Many of you have lived long enough to understand that you don't have a legacy for making tough decisions and enduring through complicated, unprecedented, and grueling times without having to experience some hardship on the forehand to put the current moments in perspective. The challenges of the past make present moments sweeter. They make present moments clearer. And one's failures of the past can either condition one to hopelessness that I'm a failure and I'm going to continue to be or condition one to acknowledge with great humility like Lincoln did the truth of all mankind that we are all imperfect people in need of a Savior. So I say that to all of you Christ followers here this morning. What happens to you when you fail? Can you admit it? What happens when others know that you fail? What happens when you know that you have failed God himself? And does God put you on the shelf in those moments? Does he punish you? Are, those, are there significant consequences that he rains down on you from heaven for your mistakes? To answer that question, we're going to look at a comeback story in Scripture. Well, another great comeback story in Scripture. And I'm just going to take this off and see what happens. We're going to talk about Peter. Simon Peter, the man, the legend Peter. You guys have heard about Peter in the Bible, right? This is a new news to you. I want to talk about Peter and Jesus for a moment. Before I do that, let's begin with a word of prayer as we we go over quite a few different texts in Scripture. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for these unique moments that we can have together in such a time as this. And Lord, we thank you that you are the same yesterday as you are today. And what you've done in Simon Peter's life, what you've done in the life of Abraham Lincoln, as we talked last week in the the comeback story of Carrie Strug and the the comeback story of Jesus and the comeback story of the one leper who returned to, to give you glory and say thank you. We now get to find ourselves in the middle of this story. Speak to us about what we do with our failures. Speak to us about the need for humility. And speak to us about the God who keeps looking in our eyes, no matter what it is we do, saying, come follow me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Peter, the man, the legend. Peter can tell stories of his time with Jesus, and these are the stories that maybe you remember. In Matthew chapter 16, Peter has this revelation. He says, Jesus asks, all these other people say, I'm a prophet or maybe Elijah who has returned from the dead. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, but Peter, who do you say that I am? 
Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And, I t- and Jesus replies, and I tell you, Peter, and this is where he changes his name. He, first name is Simon. Now he starts calling him Peter, and that's the Greek word Petros to symbolize a rock. You, and on this rock, you will build my church. Jesus called Peter the rock before Dwayne the Rock Johnson was even thought of. Do y'all even know who Dwayne the Rock Johnson is? Okay, Jumanji. But do anybody remember him from his wrestling days or at all? All big WWF fans here? Okay. Peter, so this is what he says. And Peter, imagine what it's like to hear this from Jesus. Peter, and you are the rock on which I'm going to build my church. Right after that, Peter looks at James, the disciple James, and says, James, what's your name? James begins to say it. Peter says, it doesn't matter what your name is. What matters is that Jesus called me the rock, and I'm going to build his church. I look back at you guys because you would probably be the ones that would get that joke, right? That was another WWE joke, and I am laughing hysterically right now at myself, although I know many of you don't get it. But Peter was confident in what Jesus called him, what Jesus told him. And this is what happened in Matthew 14. Jesus walks on water, but you know who else walked on water? Peter. Peter walks on water as well, and he says, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come. And Peter understands something, that if my rabbi is walking on water, I'm called to follow my rabbi, and I can do what my rabbi does. I don't care who you are, but you got to admit, it takes some audacity for someone to say, here, hold my sandals. I think I can do this. I'm going to take a step out on the water with Jesus. And John 18 tells us that Peter cut off the servant of the high priest's ear as they were attempting to take Jesus. But then Luke twenty two fifty one tells us that Jesus touched a man's ear and healed him. So excited. So listen to this guy. Understand this guy because you know where this story is going. So excited and so full of testosterone that Jesus had to clean up his mess. Peter, in this case, we see Peter becoming a bull in a china shop ready to take on the world with Jesus. But this man, the legend, He's missing something, isn't he? So what is it? What does Peter need? What is he missing? You know the rest of the story. Go ahead, call something out. What do you think he's missing? What is it that, he, that he's missing that he doesn't have? He's ready. He's all full of power. He just sliced off a high priest's ear. And he can't even brag about it because Jesus heals the guy's ear. What's wrong? What is he missing? What's getting ready to happen in Peter's life, those of you that know the rest of the story? He's getting ready to deny Jesus. How about a little humility? Peter is expecting to be at Jesus' side as Jesus comes and becomes king. Me and Jesus, we're going to be tight. I'm going to be right there. I'm going to be his right-hand man, cutting off as many years as I need to to make this thing happen. Peter needed some humility. I, you know, i got to wonder if that's something that we... We need to receive in our life. Peter needed to receive some restraint. He needed to say, hold on there a second. You know, you've got a lot of energy. There's a lot of things you want to accomplish. But some of this stuff that you want to do, it has nothing to do with my will. You know, whether you liked it or not this season, whether your schedule was full, you didn't know it, but you had a heavenly administrative assistant that just cleared your calendar for the last two months. And said, you know, no, you're not going to do all those things that you thought you were going to do. You're going to slow down for just a little bit. I know not everybody got to slow down, but 
But whether you liked it or not, you had to admit that, you know, I'm not ultimately in control of everything that's going on in this world. I'm not, complete, I'm not the one that has all the power. I'm not the one that has all the answers. But thank the Lord that I serve someone who does. And here's something really interesting that Jesus said to Peter in Luke 22, 31 through 34. Before his denial, Jesus said, Simon, Simon. Now remember, that's the old name. Peter had a new name. It was Peter. Jesus refers to Peter as the old name. Jesus has a certain way that he sees Peter. He knows what the, the man that he's calling and what God's going to do through Peter. But he likes to use the language Simon. When I called you, you were Simon. And he says, Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift all of you, referring to the disciples. Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Peter replies, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Three times that you know me. So many of you know where this story is going next. And by the way, this is Luke 22, 31 through 34 where Peter tells this to Jesus. The author, Luke, is, is, has a, proven a point here because if you go ahead and go there, I'm sorry, if you go there in your Bibles to Luke 22, if you'd like, Luke 22, and I, this isn't a typical sermon for me where I kind of focus on one text. I am all over today because I'm talking about Peter. But right there in Luke 22, I just read to you 31 through 34. You just go a few verses over to 54 through 62, and this is where you see Peter's denial of Jesus. Peter seemed to have been ready for a fight, but he wasn't ready for Jesus to turn himself over willingly. And it begins, this denial begins with Peter following at a distance. In Luke twenty-two sixty-one, after Peter was asked three different times if he knew this man that, and had a chance to say, yes, I am with Jesus. After Peter denied Jesus three times, Luke twenty two sixty one. the Lord turns and looks straight at Peter. The Greek there is interesting. It's kind of like a, 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 a genuine, it's a look of concern is the best way to define that word. And it's unique because it's the same Greek word that was, that, was where, that was used when Jesus met Peter and that he had the miraculous catch of fish. It's the same word used when Peter first, or excuse me, when Jesus first called Peter. He has that crazy ability to look into your eyes and say, I know everything about you. I know your failures. I know your mistake, but I also know your future. I know what you're capable of. He has this crazy ability to look into someone's eyes and say, I know you better than you know yourself. So someone needs to hear that this morning. Maybe it's in your moment of failure. Maybe it's in a moment of weakness. Maybe a moment of sadness. Maybe a moment of hopelessness. I believe the Lord, maybe it's one of you in your cars this morning as well. I believe the Lord wants you to know that hey, I, the, the Lord wants to say to you, I know what's going on. This isn't a surprise to me. And you know what he says in the middle of all of those experiences, all of what we're feeling He says, come follow me. I'm not done with you yet. I'm not putting you on the shelf. You're writing yourself off 
but I am not. I have the answers that you're looking for. So Peter denies Jesus three times and has, and has Jesus looking into his eyes and, and basically saying, yeah, this is what I told you would happen. So how do you come back from that? I mean, if this was any other king, you would be out. And if he would become king and rule, you'd probably be executed for your disloyalty, but not this king. Rather, this one expected it. Can you get that in your spirit for a moment? That we serve a king that expects that we will fall short, even expects that we will fail. This is what he went to the cross for. But see, Christ's moment of concern for us, moment of concern for all of his creation is not whether or not at some point you will fail, but what will you do in that moment when you fail? This is actually really deep. That's what the, that's what the living God's concern is for you. What will happen when you make a mistake, be it big, be it little? Will you be a man or a woman of God that can take ownership of your mistake? Will you be a man or, or, or woman of God that calls yourself that, but you're always going to point the finger at someone else? And then will you be someone who gets so convicted and so condemned that you think that you're disqualified for some reason? See, the Lord died for your mistakes upon the cross. His concern is for that moment when you realize what has happened. You see, it happened in, real early in Scripture. In Genesis 4-7, it said, this is what Jesus said to Cain. Y'all know what Cain did? He killed his brother. Anybody killed their brother here? Okay, just making sure. So that's a pretty bad thing. And this is what, this is what the living God said to Cain right before, um, right before Cain did this. He said, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door, and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Desires to have you, but you must rule over it. I think that's an amen or just an accidental horn beat. You need to hear this word today, this morning. It's okay to admit we've made mistakes. It's okay to admit that at times we get a little too full of ourselves and we probably say some things that we shouldn't. It's okay that we've, we've repeated some of the things that we've done in the past and we know that we probably shouldn't do these things again. And it's even more embarrassing when we have to admit those that, yeah, I'm still making some of those same mistakes. I want you to hear this morning, the Lord has no problem with that. He does have an issue and a genuine concern with you putting yourself on the shelf, with you disqualifying yourself, with you saying, I am no longer capable of following him, with you pointing the finger in any other direction but here and then upward at what the living God is ready to intervene and do in your life. And so Peter has his moment like this on the beach in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. See, this is unique because Peter, we don't, all of these things happen pretty quick. You know, Jesus was, was gone for a couple days, then he rose again on the third. You understand that? And then he began to, to be seen for a few more days on earth, and he was seen by over 500 people. I believe scripture says 40 days. He was kind of interacting with people on earth before he's ascended. I could have that wrong, but I believe that's accurate. He spent some time for about 40 days on earth. And a lot of people say that Peter had turned away from Christ and, and everything. We don't really know exactly what he was doing, but what we do know is that he wasn't with all of the other disciples. And so in John 21, 15 through 19, Peter has this conversation. 
with Jesus on the beach. And he doesn't recognize it. This begins where Peter's back on the water and there's this guy on the beach. And he says, why don't you cast your nets to the side again? And Peter has another miraculous catch of fish. And all of a sudden he recognizes it's Jesus. So he's denied him three times. He's now resurrected and he's standing right there in front of him. And he goes and has this, this meal on the beach, this sense of familiarity. The beach is a pretty good place to have a meal. Wherever your place of familiarity is, we have people that get away to lakes from time to time. Maybe it's just your front porch. A place of familiarity where you've experienced some joys, where you've experienced a new perspective, a renewed vision on what your life is about. But whatever it is for you, Peter was eating breakfast with Jesus at a familiar place of reflection. And Jesus asked Peter three different times again if he loves him. And Jesus, and there's, there's different interpretations of what's going on here, but what is clear is that Jesus knows that Peter is going to fail again. And he's trying to communicate that to Peter in an easy way that his testosterone can handle. I know you're all fired up again, and I know I want you to lead my church, but you don't understand you're going to make mistakes again, Peter, and it's going to be okay. And he keeps saying after this, he keeps giving him a commission, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And otherwise, really, he's really saying is what he told him when he called him the rock originally, build my church. He's re- Christ is recommissioning him for each time in the future that he's going to fail. There's a word, don't stop. Where there's still breath in you, there is still a commission to fulfill. And see, Peter gets back to the right place with the right people. I say that again. Peter gets back to the right place with the right people. Because in Acts chapter 2, it tells us that Peter was back with the disciples. And in chapter 1, he's in the upper room and he's now calling the shots of who they're gonna, who their next leader is going to be now that Judas has betrayed him. And then in Acts chapter 2, it says they were all waiting in one place, waiting for the Holy Spirit that had been promised to them. And just as Abraham Lincoln gave a couple inaugural addresses, Peter gives up and basically gives his inaugural address in Acts chapter 2. And here's how it ends. Peter says, therefore, this is after the Holy Spirit had come, and everybody's wondering, what is going on? Why are all these people speaking in all these different languages? So Peter gets up and explains who Jesus was and explains that he was crucified and what he did while he was here on earth. And this is the last line of his speech in 236 through 30, 36 through 31, 41. Is therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So you want to see how Peter's comeback story began? Here's what it says next in verse 40. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. A few moments ago, he's denying Christ. A few more moments, he's on the beach with Jesus, saying, you're going to fail me, Peter, but you can do this. And then a few moments later, he's standing in front of over 3,000 people and watching 3,000 people come to the Lord. The comeback for Peter doesn't end there. 
In Acts chapter 9, we read of Peter raising Tabitha from the dead. In Acts chapter 10, we read of Peter bringing the gospel to the Gentiles through Cornelius. In Acts chapter 12, we read of prison walls and chains not even being able to hold Peter because of the favor that he had and the power of God on his life. So as we close this morning, I want you to just capture a few, a few applications to this morning, I mean, to, to this message this morning. First, I want you to receive this season of chastening, this season that you're in, whether you like it or not, of slowly getting things back to normal, of restraint, of moderation, of discipline, and of humility. As we shared this in the beginning of this message, it's the beginning of service today. We all can use some humility right now. We don't have all this figured out. I will not pretend that I have all the answers. Sure, I got an opinion, but I don't know how much my opinion's worth more than yours. But we all need to have some humility and be reminded that the living God is in control in this season. Peter needed to have some, some humility as he was ready to take on the world. He needed some restraint. He needed some moderation to put into perspective uh, the plan of God that Christ had for his life. Second point of application, there's nothing that you have done that disqualifies you to fulfill the plan of God on your life. And then finally, and this is the one I hope that those of you that maybe listen to this on our, on our service, um, um, those of you that, um, that, that might be listening to this on the website, um, I want to end all of you as well that are here. You hear the call to get back to the right place with the right people. So I, I want you to realize that that's what was going on when Peter had the, when Jesus had this conversation with, with Peter. We don't exactly know how far Peter had fallen away, whether he was ready to walk away from all of this. But one thing we don't know is that he was not with community. When Jesus is having that conversation with Peter on the beach, he is telling him, you need to get back into the right place with the right people. Get back to, with the disciples. Get back with the church. I know you made mistakes. You think you're, you think you're, you're a failure. You think everybody's going to look at you different. You're, you're blowing all of this up in your own head. All across this yard, all, all throughout these cars, are a bunch of imperfect people in need of a Savior. We are all going to make mistakes. We're all going to even look at things the wrong way from time to time. And some of us are going to have some great ideas and some great ways of looking at things. But we have to learn how to have some grace for each other and get back to the right place with the right people. And that is building the church of Jesus Christ. There's somebody even that might be listening to this, that, that even in this unique season that says, you know, we have many people that walk away from the church because somebody offended them or failed them. And they would say, I'm all fine by myself. But what Jesus was saying to Peter on the beach, he's calling him back to, to community. And here's what is so unique about all this. Peter was right about Jesus. He was the Messiah. Peter was right about himself. As Jesus told him, you're going to build my church. But listen to this too. Just as he was wrong about Jesus, he thought he was going to be king now, and he was wrong about himself, that he was supposed to be a militant leader for Jesus. You ever have those moments where you're right and wrong at the same time? Welcome to the human experience. It's okay. We are imperfect people in need of the living God. 
And when we can have that humility to come before him, he is ready to look into your eyes just as he did Peter. It's like, I know you think you know you, but I know you better. I know you think you know what's going on in your life, right? But I know even better. And he says to us, as he says to all of you today, come follow me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this comeback story of Peter. Thank you that this is a story that says you do not have any issue at all with our mistakes, with our failures. You know, we could even use the S word, sin. You've died upon the cross for those things. You don't desire that we keep knowingly sinning and keep pursuing a lifestyle that is against you, but you do require that we be men and women of God that recognize the dark areas of our life and bring them to you with ownership, allowing you to transform us. You have no issue with our sin because you know what to do with it. You've done it. You've dealt with it on the cross. But it's the moment of what happens to us when we realize we have failed you, when we failed others, when we've been embarrassed, when we've made mistakes. Lord, you're ready to empower us. And you keep saying, come follow me. So all across this church today, I know this was a word for someone who's in a season of of hopelessness, a season of of fear, of concern, of frustration. Lord, I just believe you want to look into someone's eyes as you're, you're speaking to their spirit this morning. You're saying, I got this. I got this. I know this situation better than you do. And I've got my hand on this. So may you, this morning, receive this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.